This is a random podcast thought for you today. I come onto this podcast without really having anything to say per se, except for that one thought has come to mind, and that is always rely on Beethoven. So what I mean by Beethoven is the musical artist Beethoven, not the dog Beethoven. Of course, if you have a dog named Beethoven, that's okay. That'll work too. But for me, Beethoven, the musical artist, the composer, and in specific, um, the Ninth Symphony, um, has always really rung true for me. So I suppose the point is that music can bring us to a certain place and music is always in the moment. I mean, you're really sort of compelled or forced to be in the moment and mindful when listening to music because it's right in front of you and you have to attune to it. You have to listen to it. You have to really become aware of it or if not, then you're distracted. You're thinking about something else and you're not really enjoying it. So music is a very powerful way to enjoin us in the moment to make us more aware of the moment and to invite us into seeing the moment for the beauty that it that it can be. And um, my sense is that musicians, uh, composers, and people that are playing music convey this beauty that they feel, uh, or it could be the excitement they feel, or it could be the power that they feel, or it could be any number of emotions that they're feeling in terms of relating that particular emotion in the moment. It could be, you know, Nick Nick Jagger and the Rolling Stones on tour, they could do the same thing. So it doesn't necessarily have to be Beethoven, it could be any number of artists. It could be a rock star, it could be a composer of the classical tradition, or it could be an electronic musician, such as Vangelis. I worked with a meditation teacher for many years who loved to meditate to music. He he always encouraged his students to meditate to music. Some teachers don't, don't do that. They don't encourage that you listen to music while meditating, but sometimes it can make it a little bit easier. So my teacher, this particular teacher I'm speaking of, Frederick Lenz, He had a a musical group called Zazen, and um, that group created some wonderful music with him to meditate to. And we listened to that for many years as I studied with him. But in the earlier years, when I first started with him, before he had Zazen, we would listen to Vangelis, or we would listen to Tomida. The point being here that music really is quintessentially in the moment. And if you can perceive the beauty of the music in the moment, then you're really tapping into the power of mindfulness. And I, again, believe that musicians all around the world do this. And this is why we're attracted, I believe, to music. Because music reminds us to forget about the distractions that are all around us and just to focus on the music as it is being played in front of us in the moment. Sometimes, as I've mentioned in other podcasts, you can quiet the mind and still the mind and you can notice things in that quietude, in that stillness. Uh, 
According to the yogic traditions, in the stillness there is sound. The primordial sound of the universe, according to the yogis, is the sound Om. And this sound Om is used as uh, a meditative technique through what are called mantras. So the, the mantra Om can be used in conjunction with your meditation to evoke a meditative state. Uh, this is not really prevalent within the school of mindfulness that I have been uh, studying recently, but it is really prevalent in the Vedic school of, of thinking. The Vedic school where the yogis will take the sounds, sounds like Om uh, and other sounds, and they will meditate on various parts of the body using these sounds. And the idea is that we're really bringing these sounds to the body and to the psyche, to the mind, in order to really align yourself with those primordial sounds, which are primarily sounds of creation. And according to the yogic philosophy, these sounds of creation can be used within meditation to bring things into your life, to, to manifest them. The downside is, is that it can get you caught up in this idea of always seeking to have something outside of what's already in front of you, outside of what you already have. It can lead to discontent. If the sounds don't really lead to the result that you're intending, uh, there can be some sense of dissatisfaction and some sense of loss of faith in the sounds. But generally speaking, um, I found that the sounds are beneficial regardless of whether or not you can actually, in quotes, manifest anything with them, you can certainly create a state of mind that is happy. I think that is probably the most important thing you can create, you know, with any of these primordial sounds in meditation would be happiness. But the, the idea behind mindfulness meditation is to not really depend or use sounds, but to use your um, intention your, by your intention, I mean is that you're bringing your emotional intention to uh, various aspects of your being. When you do things like the RAIN practice, for example, uh, RAIN being an acronym for recognize, accept, uh, investigate, and nurture, you're really recognizing, first you're recognizing what it is you're, you're contemplating, and then you're accepting that uh, for what it is. And then you're investigating why it is, and then you're really bringing a sense of loving kindness or compassion to that situation, to that feeling, uh, to that sense of pain, perhaps, to whatever is troubling you, perhaps. So let's say, for example, if something's troubling you and you want to um, bring a sense of loving kindness to it, you can do that through the RAIN practice. So the, the mindfulness meditation techniques don't really use so much uh, sound. Uh, they use rather the emotional intent of compassion. And the emotional intent of compassion really comes out of Buddhist philosophy and training, um, which is different and unique and distinct from the yogic philosophies. Now just to clarify, when I say Buddhist philosophy, I really mean the Theravada school, the old school, the Mahayana school, the newer school of Buddhism, 
does include use of mantras, and it really, in a sense, it combines, you might say, the yogic traditions of uh, the Vedas and the Hindus into Buddhism or with Buddhism and the Mahayana school, which you find uh, prevalent in Tibet. In the yogic philosophies, the Vedic philosophies that come out of the Hindu tradition, the sounds really do come more into play. And um, the teacher that I worked with, uh, Frederick Lenz, when using these sounds in his music, I think he was really bringing us back to the yogic traditions of sounds and the mantras. The, the music was so, sort of, you might say, a modern kind of mantra. Um, it would evoke, however, a very emotional response that could then be used to carry your mind, yourself, through the meditation. And it could be used to uh, heighten your awareness and bring your awareness in line with the meditation, uh, the intent of the meditation, uh, in order to bring about a state of bliss, a state of happiness. Um, again, the downside of the sounds, or the downside of the music, uh, really, is that you feel like as if you need them. You're sort of dependent on them. The mantras you can recite and you can, uh, you know, memorize them and you can recite them within your own mind. The music you really need to have, the musician playing for you. So there's sort of a dependency that really, uh, you know, comes out of that relationship. You're dependent upon the musician, the composer, uh, whoever, who is creating the music to, uh, you know, really be able to use the music in your meditative practice. So uh, the sound, the mantra is a little bit different because the mantra, you can just memorize the mantra and use the mantra. Uh, that said, the, the emotional side of it, you know, is really powerful uh, in terms of the compassionate, the use of compassion in, for example, again, the RAIN practice uh, in mindfulness. So I wanted to, you know, talk a little bit about uh, a compare and contrast, really. Uh, that's where this really ended up. Uh, we're talking about sounds. We're talking about perhaps music. We're talking about mantras. And we're talking about silent meditation. And we're talking about emotions. All of these can be techniques that are used within meditation. And there really isn't any right way to do it. It really becomes, uh, you know, a matter of you experimenting, really, and, and choosing what works for you. For me, I found myself mixing it up. You know, sometimes I use uh, mantras, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I use mindfulness, mindfulness meditation. Uh, sometimes I use music. I don't really, you know, get uh, you know sectarian and religious about what technique I use in meditation. But I find that in different, you know, times of the day, perhaps, or different phases of my life, or in different situations, I might feel compelled or you know, desirous of using a particular technique, and I just go go with that intuition. I allow that intuition to, you know, take hold and to take fruit. And I found uh, intuition can often serve you quite well in terms of your meditative practice, what you want to do. So I'll leave the podcast at that. I, I appreciate you listening, as always, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks a lot.